morning. And welcome to today's edition of Park at Home Video Worship Experience. Wherever you are watching, however you're watching, and whenever you're watching, we're glad that you have found us and that you've joined us and that we are now as together as we can be worshiping God. We're excited to be able to bring you this very special morning of Park at Home. Yeah, and if, if you can't notice, if, if you've seen any of the episodes before of, of our Park at Home, this is a little different this morning. Uh, Matt and I are sitting in chairs, um, and, and the reality is this, this episode will be a little different. Now, for the record, our faces are six feet apart. We measured. Uh, although I will say that, that this morning, Matt, Matt did move in for a hug at least five times. I had to, <laughs> I had to push him away and be like, bro, come on. Uh, but, but I can't stay mad at him. Uh, his, his love language is touch. I understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is clearly off script. Uh, but we, we really are excited, though, to, uh, to bring this to you once again, especially in this, in this different way. Um, and typically, uh, at least the past several weeks, uh, I, I would be, for the message, uh, sitting on my couch speaking to you. But this morning, we're, we're doing something different. Uh, this morning, uh, Matt and I are going to be sitting here and, and having a conversation. And we're going to be inviting you to listen in on this conversation. And, and it's a conversation about something that I think a lot of us are experiencing right now. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Our hope, our hope during this time is that as we open the scriptures and look to Jesus, uh, that what we have to say will be in some way helpful and hopeful. Yeah, and we want uh, to be helpful to you as a church. In this time of disconnection, in social distancing, um, we want you to be as connected to what's happening here and connected to one another as possible. And so we would love for you to get plugged in to any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, if you're watching live right now on YouTube or on Facebook, we would love for you to give us a comment, give us a hello, that sort of thing. Please stay in touch with our emails. Um, all of the links to this stuff is in the description below. Uh, we also want you to stay on parkchurchnj.com slash coronavirus, and there's a lot of uh, information there. The other things we want you to know about this morning, the first is that Rebecca, uh, Miss Becca, our Park Kids Coordinator, is putting together really amazing resources for every Sunday morning for you to be able to kind of like lead your kids in Park Kids. There's, there's an activity sheet and there's a video that she does and it's not the same as it is on a Sunday morning, um, but you can have an opportunity, a chance to be able to teach uh, your kids, to be able to lead them through lessons about who Jesus is. And we want you to take advantage of that. Um, she's also starting Zoom calls for the different grades. And so if you haven't gotten that email from her, talk to her about that. We also started to do prayer gatherings throughout the week on Tuesday and Thursday uh, mornings and evenings. And the next one will actually be on Sunday, right after this, at about 10 o'clock. And we would love for you to join us for prayer. The other two things we want to be able to tell you about. Um, the first is this Friday is Good Friday. And typically at Park Church, 
we have a Good Friday service to remember and to celebrate the death of Christ. It's called Evensong. This year, we are pretty bummed that we're not going to be able to do it because it's really one of the more special um, things that we do here at Park Church. But we're excited to be able to do a special edition of Park at Home for Good Friday. Um, and you're going to hear more about that throughout this week. And then on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we're excited to do an extra special edition of Park at Home then as well. Yeah, and during this time also of, of disconnection, one of the best ways, one of the best ways to stay connected is through our community groups. Our community groups have continued to meet through video chat platforms, primarily Zoom. Uh, and, and I know several groups, including mine, have actually grown in the past several weeks. And, and it's been so encouraging to hear stories of within these groups over these past several weeks, people being encouraged in their faith, finding hope uh, and, and really connection with one another. Uh, and so I want to encourage anyone who's watching, if, if you're not connected to one of our community groups, this is a phenomenal time to get connected. Um, and, and so, l Matt, let me ask you, if, if someone's watching this morning and they, they're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not in a community group, but I, I might be interested in getting into one, like, what would their next step be? Yeah, it's super easy. Um, you can just email groups at parkchurchnj.com and we will reach out to you, uh, get in touch with you about how to get connected to a group. We would love to do that even starting this week. Now, we know for some, uh, this, this new reality has come with some unexpected blessings. Uh, not least of all if you're an introvert. <laughs> no, but, but seriously though, for many, uh, staying home has allowed you to be with your family more or to take more walks or it has slowed down your pace of life. And, and that's phenomenal. We also know that for many, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of its ramifications has been really hard. Uh, and so, so what we've done is we've, we've asked you a question and asked for your response. And the question that we asked is, how has this been hard for you this week? And here's how you responded. As a nurse on a COVID floor, the hardest thing for me this week has been to see my patients struggling to breathe. It's been hard being worried about my vulnerable friends and family and not getting to see them. It was hard this week was the burial without a funeral of my sister-in-law's mother. Uh, one thing that's been hard for me this week is being patient with my kids because I am tired and they are tired and we're all ready for this to be done. So it's just hard on, I think, everyone to be patient. One thing that's been really hard is just all the uncertainty of not knowing when things are going to get better. One thing that's been hard this week has been being responsible for filling my kids' days again without the benefit of our friends, playdates, or playgrounds, or mostly nice weather. It's been hard uh, knowing that. I've been excited for a while now uh, knowing that next week I was supposed to go to Florida to go visit my niece for her second birthday, and that's not gonna happen now. I've had a hard time because Seth works at a hospital and I have to worry about exposure. I have a hard time because there's a bunch of new self-hygiene rules when I get home from work. I can't touch anybody or anything. I can barely sniff the air. 
Something that's hard about COVID-19 is missing opening day last week, because uh, like every year, it was supposed to be the Mets year. This week has been tough for me due to the lack of physical interaction between myself, my family, and my friends. And I will never take a good hug for granted. I'm struggling to find a balance between schoolwork and anything else. It has been hard. This Sunday, April the 5th, was going to be the last Sunday that the Monmouth Church was going to be together before becoming a part of the Park Fellowship. I think for me the hardest part is missing these last four Sundays together. Um, I think the hardest thing this week was when I speak to my kids who are not with me. They are in Colorado, but they're safe. Having to reassure them that I am okay, and um, I don't like the fact that they worry. It's been a struggle seeing people dealing with this in a very cavalier way. As a nurse, it breaks my heart that people are passing away and family members are not able to be with them um, at the end of their lives. Um, something that has been hard for me this week is just being still. I have a lot of time and um, I just need to spend more time with Jesus. We saw in that video that there's been a lot of hard things for a lot of people. And when things are hard, we have a tendency as people to stare right into the hard things to stare into the darkness, to stare into our fears, to stare into our anxieties, to stare into the danger. There's that, there's that scene where Jesus calls Peter out to walk on the water, and he starts to sink because he looks at the wind and the waves rather than at Jesus. Um, it's a lot like when our kids are afraid at night. They're, they're, they're afraid of the dark, and all they do is they lay there and they stare into the dark um, imagining what's in the closet or what's under the bed or what the shadows is um, or what that noise was. The thing is, though, faith doesn't look there. Faith looks up. Faith looks up to Jesus, to, to the God, the maker of heaven and earth. In this song that we're going to enjoy next, the chorus is, my faith looks up when my fears pull me down. This morning, we invite you to sing this song, to sing it out loud, to sing it in your heart, to use this time to ask God to have that kind of faith that looks up to the maker of heaven and earth, that looks up to the one who can hold you and that does hold you. So let's sing, let's worship together. Looks up to thee, O Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy thine. My faith looks up and my fear pulls me down. Grace impart strength to my fainting heart 
my zeal inspire As thou hast died for me Oh, may my love to thee Changeless be a living fire My faith looks up And my fear pulls me Darkness I tread, and griefs around me spread. Be thou my guide. Bid darkness turn to day, wipe sorrow's tears away. Nor let me ever stray from thee aside. Savior, then in love, fear and distrust remove. Oh, bear me safe above a ransomed soul. My faith looks up and my fear pulls me morning. As I listened to last Sunday's sermon downstairs at my kitchen table, I pondered with you the question that Michael asked us from Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. And that question was, what gets in the way of you being still, of entering the silence? And I realized that I had to face that question, that I was avoiding it, that I wasn't being as still and as silent as I thought I was. And so I went upstairs to this office where I am now and realized a hard truth that I was running from God, from grief, from sadness, that even before this pandemic hit, that I didn't want to spend time alone in my apartment because it reminded me I was, in fact, alone. So in this office, I left a bunch of boxes unpacked, stuffed, filled with memories of the past, memories of my kids when they were little, times of being with them and their mom, from whom I'm now divorced. And I realized that I didn't want to face those reminders that I was now by myself, not with them. And so that was a season of life that's unretrievable. And God was calling me now to the moment, back to himself, with all its sadness. Because this pandemic was only exposing the grief I was already avoiding. And now I had to face it. The Spirit spoke to me. Brian, sit down with the sadness. Sit down and let God be your refuge in a time of trouble. Let Jesus be your center and let him bring you through the other side. I now want to join with you in a meditation of Psalm 42. The book of Psalms opens up a window to our emotions before God, including our pain and our grief 
for life is both joy and loss. But as we are still before God, we have all that we need. Don't flurry to the past with its accomplishments and regrets. Don't race to the future with its fears and uncertainties, but dare to stay in the moment where God is God and hold everything we have loosely with open hands. Only hold on to Jesus and let your heart feel Christ close to you. Imagine everything else held loosely for in those empty hands, God meets us. Psalm 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you, Lord, from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By night, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. O Lord Jesus, you alone are our living vine, our permanent place. We can't retrieve all we've known and all we've had, but we can retrieve you, your home for us is always retrievable. And so in the midst of this horrific time, have mercy on us, abide in us. Strip away the illusions of safety that this world may promise, that we may be safe in you alone. Through Jesus we ask. Amen. Welcome back. All right, Matt. It, uh, it is Palm Sunday today. Uh, which, which, as you know, for, for many Christians around the world, is the, a, a day where we celebrate uh, the day that Jesus came to Jerusalem as king. It's often referred to as the triumphant entry. Um, and it's the Sunday before Easter. Uh, we, however, are going to be having a conversation about grief. And, and it does actually tie into Palm Sunday, as I'll talk about in a minute. Um, but right now, we're, we're going to be having a conversation about grief. And, and the reason is because uh, it seems that grief is something that many people, not just in our country, but in the world, are experiencing. And, and that might sound odd. Like, there, might, there may be some people who hear that and, and think, grief? I don't, I'm not... I don't think that's my experience right now. And that, and that may be the case for some. Um, and yet, Matt, even what you, you mentioned the other day, uh, that any time we experience change that's negative, the experience we have is grief. W whatever that change 
may be. And the reality is, is we, in our individual lives, but also as we look at what's happened in the world, we are experiencing rapid, uh, massive change right now. That, that's touching all of our lives. Um, and and the, recently, uh, uh, you and I received an email from someone in Park with a link to an article from the Harvard Business Review that I thought was really interesting and that helped me understand this experience of grief that we're all having. Um, and, and what I found insightful in this article was uh, how the, the author of this article connected what's often referred to as the, the five stages of grief with some of the common responses we and others have had in the midst of this pandemic. Um, and so, for example, for, for those who, who are not familiar, the, the five stages of grief are uh, denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and acceptance. Uh, and, and the idea is not that we experience each of these in successive order, but that in different ways and in different times, oftentimes as we walk through grief, we find ourselves in one of these places. And, uh, and what I found interesting in this article is the way that these five stages were connected with how many of us have responded to everything that's going on. And so, for example, and I've experienced many of these, uh, some people have responded to this new normal with denial. Uh, the virus isn't really going to affect us. Um, it's, not, it's not that bad, isn't it kind of overblown? Uh, I, I've been there. Uh, some, some have responded to this, this pandemic with anger. Like, well, are, are you telling me that I can't leave my house? Like, what do you mean I have to work from home? Like, and, and anger is a common response. Um, bargaining is another one. Okay, I'll, I'll practice social distancing for two weeks, but then it had better be over, right? And then sadness is something many of us have experienced. Um, when that moment sinks in of, oh, wow, this is going to be the new normal for quite a while. Um, and then finally, acceptance. Acceptance is an experience many of us have had of, okay, this is happening and I need to figure out how to proceed from here. Uh, and so whatever, whatever stage or whatever experience or to whatever degree we've, we've walked down these paths, it seems like grief captures the experience of many. Um, and, and so the, the question begs itself, what does that have to do with Palm Sunday? Well, if, if on Palm Sunday there's a sense in which Jesus begins his journey to the cross. And so he enters Jerusalem as king with palm branches laid on the ground, and yet he knows where it's headed. And as we'll see in a moment in the story we're going to look at this morning, uh, Jesus was well acquainted with grief. And, and our question that I want to have this conversation about is really, in the midst of this experience that we're all having, what might Jesus want to teach us about how to walk through grief. And so, Matt, before you read the story for this morning, can you just set it up a little bit with some of the context? Yeah, sure. So the story for this morning, it's from Matthew uh, chapter 26. And this is a story that is happening on the evening before Jesus uh, is crucified and dies. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, he has just had his, his last supper with his disciples, with his closest followers. Um, he's had the episode with Peter where he predicts that Peter's going to, you know, uh, deny him. And then uh, we have this moment where Jesus, in, in, in something that was somewhat normal for him, he needs to talk to his father. And so he wants to retreat to a garden called Gethsemane to talk to his father. And this is where uh, Matthew picks up the story in verse 36. He writes, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here, here comes my betrayer. You could see in this story the, the sort of multiple layers of pain, of sorrow, um, of grief that Jesus is in. Um, on one hand, his betrayer is coming, and his betrayer was one of his 12 followers, one of his 12 closest guys. Um, he betrayed him for a sack of cash. And I don't care who you are, that's, that's going to hurt. Yeah. And the three guys who he picked to come with him, who were close to him, um, to stand guard while he prayed, he, they couldn't even you know, keep their eyes open. Um, it must have been just so disappointing for Jesus to, you know, his three closest friends couldn't even be there for him right. in this simple way. Um, but the real pain of this is that he knows what's coming. He knows what tomorrow brings, which is, which is the cross, which is death. And it's not just the pain that uh, was physical, which was unthinkable and horrible. And, and not just the emotional pain of being, of being abused, of being mocked, of being um, humiliated and spat on. And not just the spiritual pain of taking on the weight of the sin of the world, which mm. we can't even put that into words, really. Um, but in, sense, in some sense, he knows that what's coming tomorrow um, is a moment where his father, who he needs, will, in some way that we can't quite put our finger on, turn his face away. And he knows he'll, he'll cry to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's not going to be there for him. He's going he's to die there. Um, mm. For us, 
we're not experiencing the same things that Jesus is experiencing here. No one, no one ever has and no one ever will, thank God. He took that for us. But in a lot of, in a lot of ways, we're experiencing sadness and, yeah. um, and pain and grief, mm-hmm. and it's unfamiliar for us. It's unsettling. We're asking questions like, when will this end? We're asking questions um, like, can I, can I do this? Can I, can I get through this? How am I going to get through this? We're asking all of the what ifs, right? Mm-hmm. What if, what if I get it? What if my wife gets it? What if my mm-hmm. parents get it? What if I can't get my job back? Um, what if the economy never turns around? We're asking questions like, when it gets back to normal, what will normal be like? Yeah. Um, you know, the situation that Jesus was in, it was dark and it was um, unfamiliar and it was unsettling. And we're really in a similar position where mm. we've never been through this before. And we don't quite know what to do with it. And this, this experience of grief is, is different. It's, it's unique and it's challenging for us. Um, um, and so the question is, how, how does Jesus show us mm. how to get through grief, how to walk through grief? Yeah, I mean, I, when, I, when I think of this story, the very first thing that comes to mind for me is that uh, Jesus names it. He, he puts words to his grief. He's, he's refreshingly honest about his pain in this story. I mean, look at verses 37 and 38, uh, starting halfway through 37. We're told that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled, so he felt grief. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He expressed it. Like he, he felt it and then he named it. And, and there's something so, so incredibly healthy about that. Because what really, I mean, what Jesus is experiencing here, and you touched on this, um, is it something you might call anticipatory grief, where he's feeling grief uh, primarily about something that has yet to happen, but he knows is coming. Um, I mean, this is why to his father, he, he prayed, uh, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He did not, he, he asked God for permission not to go to the cross, which is wild. It's also so beautifully honest. And, and I think we can, we can learn from Jesus when it comes to that. Um, because there's a very real sense for us, we are experiencing anticipatory grief as well in the midst of all of this. I mean, we, we know, okay, this, this is going to last longer than we thought, but, but we don't exactly know when it is going to end. And there's also this nagging sense, I feel, of even when it does end, things will never really be the same again. Uh, and and that, that anticipation is a weight, and it's, it's a grief, and it, the, the, the vagueness of it evokes anxiety. Um, and, and, and what we learn from Jesus is that it's healthy to name that. Because the reality is m- many of us have grown up in families. Every family of origin has their own set of emotional rules spoken or unspoken, usually unspoken. And many grew up in families where there was the unspoken rule where 
if you have a negative or an unpleasant feeling, you don't express it. You stuff it, right? And uh, the problem, especially when it comes to grief, is that grief is like, it's like a caged animal. And it, it wants to get out. And it will find a way to get out. And if we, if we just kind of sweep our grief under the rug, it doesn't actually get us through it. It doesn't go anywhere. And it becomes this kind of specter that haunts us. And the fact that we don't have the language to make sense of it almost creates more anxiety, more grief. Um, and so what I, what I think is beautiful when we look at Jesus here is that he... He so freely and so honestly names it. He says, this is how I'm feeling. Uh, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow, to the point of death even. Um, and I, I find that beautiful. So we learn, we learn from Jesus that it's healthy to name our grief. Um, as, as you, Matt, reflect on this, uh, what, what do you think? What's, what's something else that, that Jesus teaches us when it comes to walking through grief? Yeah, I mean, one thing that, you know, um, is obvious to me is as hard as it is to uh, acknowledge, to be honest about our own grief, um, it's even harder to be honest about our own grief with other people. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to have other people involved with, with what's going on in here, with that mess inside. Um, you know, we don't want people to know our deepest and darkest. Yeah. And for a lot of people, you know, grief is perceived um, wrongly, but it's perceived as a weakness. Yeah. We don't want to show weaknesses. We don't want to show cracks. Um, we're afraid that if we invite someone else into, into our grief with us, what if we start talking? What if we start opening up and we don't know what, we don't know what's mm -hmm. going to come out of there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a vulnerability that's required to like have other people sharing it with you. Yeah. And we're just afraid, um, we're just afraid of being vulnerable yeah. in that sense. And the thing about grief is that grief in itself is isolating, yeah. right? Because um, everyone knows what grief kind of feels like, but no one knows what your grief feels like. Yeah. And so you are alone in what you're feeling. No one else feels exactly what you feel. So grief in itself is isolating. But the problem is, on top of it, we, we compound the problem because we isolate ourselves. Yeah. We also pull ourselves out of society, out of friendships, out of family, and we, um, we go through it alone. We, we walk through it. We deal with it alone. Um, mm. We think that's, that's how we have to do it. And the thing that Jesus shows us is that that's not the way it has to be mm. because Jesus invites people into his grief with him. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. He invites people into his grief with him. You know, I mean, it says here a number of times, um, you know, he brings Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him as he's, as he's, as he's sorrowful, as he's troubled. Um, another translation, you know, in that verse 38 there says that my soul is overwhelmed with grief mm. to the point of death. And he, he invites them right in that grief with him. Uh, to stand watch, which means to like keep guard, to, to protect him, yeah. to accompany him, to support him in that grief. Mm. And it's, it's meaningful that it's Jesus 
who's doing this. Because it's safe to say Jesus probably doesn't need them in the way that we might need one another. Yeah. Like he's probably good on his own. But it's, it's especially important to note that in spite of the fact that Jesus doesn't need them, he wants them. Yeah. He wants them with him. Um, and like what we see here is that even for Jesus, it's better to go through it with people yeah. than without them. Wow. It's just better to go through it with people than without them. And the thing too is that uh, like Jesus' friends here, they're falling asleep on him. They're, they're failing him. They're disappointing him. Yeah. And it's still worth it for him to have them with him. And like that's going to happen for us because mm. people don't know how to go through this together. And our friends are going to say the wrong thing and they're going to put their foot in their mouth and they're going to forget to check in. But even at that, it's still better to go through it with people than without them. Mm. Um, and that's something that, like, when I looked at this passage this week, it surprised me how clearly this, this sort of model from Jesus shows us. I mean, yeah. um, we're supposed to follow Jesus in all of our lives, but when it comes to inviting people into our grief with us, we should follow Jesus like yeah. this too. For us, for people of part church, yeah. um, you know, we hope, and this is why we've designed it like this, um, to bring more people in, um, to, you know, to join the prayer gathering afterwards or throughout the week and be able to be able to share that grief with someone else and have them pray for you, um, to join a community group, as you talked about before, um, because people will check in with you. People will know you. You have a chance to talk about it. Um, I think one practical thing that really everyone can do is we probably all have that friend, that person in our lives who we're thinking about and we're saying to ourselves, um, they're a trusted friend. They're a good listener. I know they would be there for me if I just called them, mm-hmm. if I just Zoomed them. Um, maybe this is, this, is, this, is, this is the right time for you to pick up the mm-hmm. phone, um, to reach out to someone who yeah. can just share with you. Because, uh, you know, if Jesus didn't want to go through it alone, then neither should we, and neither do we have to. Yeah. Um, it's better with him than without. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so what I, what I hear so far is as we look at Jesus, who, who teaches us how to walk through grief, what we learn is that we should, we should name it and we should invite others into it. Uh, and another thing that, that sticks out to me, uh, perhaps more than anything else, is that Jesus prays through it. When it comes to grief, Jesus prays through it. In this very short story, not a lot of verses, Jesus prays not once, not twice, but three times. I mean, we're told in in verse 39, he prays, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then in 44, we see he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. It's, it's as if, like, like metal to a magnet, Jesus, with his grief, is just drawn to the one he calls Father over and over and over again. And, and I, find that, I find that moving um, because it's, it's interesting. Like the 
Old Testament book that Jesus quoted more than any other book is the Psalms. The Psalms were his prayer book, his prayer manual. Uh, you, you quoted, uh, you referenced, you know, Jesus's cry on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a prayer from Psalm 22. The Psalms were so embedded within Jesus uh, that they just came out of him. That's how he prayed. Uh, and and I, think, I think there's so much for us to learn from Jesus when it comes to this, um, because the, the Psalms, Old Testament scholars will point out that there are different genres of Psalms. There are Psalms of thanksgiving. There are Psalms of adoration and praise. There are Psalms of what are called enthronement. Um, but by far, the category or the genre of Psalm that comprises the most Psalms are the lament psalms. There are more lament psalms, psalms of individuals just crying out to God with their grief than any other genre or category. I mean, think about it. We have a whole book on the Bible called Lamentations. Uh, the, the biblical story gives us this language for what to do with, with the grief that we have. And it's, it's to do what Jesus shows us, which is to take it to God in prayer. And, and what I think Jesus demonstrates for us by doing this is that there is, there's nothing, there, there are few things more human that make us more human than when we pray through our grief. Because if you think about it, to, to take our grief to God, basically what we're doing when we cry out to him, when we tell him that we're in pain or we're hurting, is we are acknowledging our frailty as human beings. We're confessing that, you know what, I, God, I am not you. I am not infallible. I am not invulnerable. I am not all powerful, but I am a human being wonderfully and beautifully made and yet a, a, a finite creature within your creation, which is a fallen creation. And so there are many things that are not the way they're supposed to be. And, and so what, what we see in Jesus is in the midst of this context, not least of all, the context in which we're living in right now, the invitation is to follow Jesus and to, to take our grief to God in prayer. Um, and I find, I find that beautiful. And it's very different than self-help. What we find in Jesus is not a formula for self-help. What we find in Jesus and in the Psalms is a formula for, for God's help. Um, Jesus does not invite us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. He invites us to get down on our knees, which is a very different thing. Um, and yet that's what we learn when we follow Jesus. Um, and so, 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 so far, as, as we're looking at Jesus, learning from Jesus, uh, what, what we learn when it comes to walking through grief, grief is that we should name it, we should invite others into it, uh, and we should pray through it. Um, any, other, any other insights or observations when it comes to what we can learn from Jesus when it comes to walking through grief? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it has to do with prayer. Um, in this story, I mean, you see again and again that Jesus trusts his Father. Yeah. Jesus trusts God that God, God will use this. 
-hmm. that God will um, do something good with it. And it's one of those things that it's almost impossible to see in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible to see in the middle of it. But looking back, you could say, oh, yeah, God actually did use this thing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, think about Jesus. You know, he's asking not to have to go through this if this if it's possible for this cup to be taken away. Um, but he says, but your will be done. Mm -hmm. he, he trusts God that what, that what God wants, that what God has in mind is, is actually better and is ultimately trustworthy. Yeah. Um, and that can't come, I think, without prayer for one thing. Um, but it's also just, it's, it's an act of faith to believe that God actually... Um, you know, is going to bring something good out of, out of your suffering, out of your pain, out of your grief. And that's, mm -hmm. that's not in any way to minimize suffering or to minimize pain or to kind of um, make an excuse for it. Yeah. It's actually just one of, one of the most gracious things that God does yeah. is that he makes, makes good things um, out of bad, yeah. to use the simplest language that we can, right? Um, he makes meaning where there was no meaning before um in the five stages of grief uh that elizabeth kubler ross developed um she had a co-author with her his name his name was david kessler and he wrote a book later um and it was on the sixth stage of grief which was uh making meaning mm -hmm. and um you know in 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 kind of psychological circles um i was a chaplain we used to talk about this all the time it was about finding ways to make meaning for people out of their suffering. Because mm. no one ever wants to go through suffering that's purposeless or pointless. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and it's on us to make meaning out of it. Uh, that's what Kessler basically says. The thing that's so um, hopeful about Jesus' response here is that it's not actually on us to make meaning, Amen. but God is the one who makes meaning. Amen. And it is on us to trust him. It's on us to to, to, um, to get on our knees and, and to give ourselves to him uh, and, and to do that with other people, right? And, and, and that's part of inviting other people into it. Um, but God is the one who makes meaning for us and, and can bring good redemptive things out of our grief, out of our suffering. And in the midst of it, that can only sometimes be like a flickering hope in the future. But our hope... Um, our hope for everyone who is listening is that they would actually find real hope in that, yeah. that God, God will redeem this thing. Amen. That's so good, man. And I mean, at the center of it, it's because at the center of it all is this, this confession, this belief, this conviction of ours that God took the, an incredibly painful experience Suffer, suffering-laden experience, the death of Jesus on the cross. And that was the, that was the experience by which he acted to rescue and renew the entire world. Uh, man, that's, that's so good. Um, well, we, we hope that this, that this conversation has been in some way helpful and, and also hopeful. And, and we also just want to recognize that uh, not everyone is experiencing all of this in the same way. And, and some of you may not 
even use the word grief to describe your, your experience of this new reality. But we do want to just take a moment and say if, uh, if you are struggling, if you are having a difficult time, um, please know that you are not alone. And, and if, you, if you feel alone right now, if, if you are lonely and quite literally isolated, um, please let us know if we can help. Let us know if we can help in any way. Uh, send an email to, to help at parkchurchnj.com. Reach out to one of us. Uh, we already mentioned some of the ways that, that we are inviting people to get and stay connected during this time. Um, above all else, the good news is that, is that whatever we're experiencing, we can find hope and peace in Jesus. Uh, and, and Matt, I've enjoyed this conversation and just talking through uh, what we can learn from Jesus when it comes to walking through grief that, that Jesus shows us uh, that we, we should name it, that we, we can invite others into it, we can pray through it, and ultimately that we can trust that God will use it. Uh, and so it's with that final reminder and encouragement that I want to invite uh, you all to, to pray with us. Father, uh, we, we pause now simply recognizing that uh, there is much grief in this world because there are many things that are not the way they're supposed to be. And, and especially right now, uh, all of our lives have been in some way impacted by the coronavirus and its ramifications. Uh, and Father, I mean, some, some of our annoyances that we experience in our context, I know, pale in comparison to some of the things people are experiencing throughout the world. Um, and yet, even here, we, we are experiencing uh, heavy things, disruptive things. And so, in the midst of all this grief, Father, we ask that you would help us to keep our eyes on your son, Jesus, that we would follow him, that we would, that we would uh, find our hope and our peace and our joy in him, that you would help us stay connected to one another, um, and that you would continue to be present to us and help us as we, as we walk through grief in this very unique time. Uh, Father, we, we love you because you first loved us and we pray in your son's name and by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Before we wrap up, we're going to do one more song together. It's called These Burdens. And in the chorus of it, uh, there's kind of a back and forth between our response to when things are hard, to when things go bad, um, to the words of Jesus inviting us to, uh, to cast our burdens on him, to come to him, uh, all of us who are weary, and he'll give us rest. And so we invite you now to, uh, to sing this song, um, to worship, and maybe just use this time to bring your burdens
Hey, we, we want to say thank you for joining us this morning at, at our Park at Home video worship experience. Uh, yeah, we, we hope that as we, as we opened the scriptures, talked about Jesus, as we sang together, as we prayed, uh, as we even heard from one another, uh, our hope is that this has been helpful and hopeful. Uh, also, if, if you'd like to pray, we, we have a couple prayer gatherings at 10 o'clock this morning. If, if you'd like details for that, just look below this video and you'll, you'll see how to get connected to those prayer gatherings. Matt, would you close our time with a benediction? Listen to this good word from Paul in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. May grace and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and together all of God's people said, Amen. We're excited to see you on Friday and then on Sunday. Take care. Thanks.